Welcome to At The Day, a podcast where we talk about the themes and ideas that help us to live and love more like Jesus each and every day. I am Pastor John. I'm Pastor Eric. I'm glad to be with you. Yeah. And today, we get to have a such, such a fun conversation. John 3.16. Yeah. And so many people have... Oh, I can recite. That's, for many people, the verse they know by heart. Yeah. And uh, even people who don't know Christ, you know, they, they see the signs of football games. But we want to take a deep dive today, don't we? We do. And part of that is because it, it holds an incredible truth. I think that's why it's so popular. Um, mm. But when we stop at just what the words mean, and when we stop at just one verse, no matter where you are in Scripture, when you stop at just one verse, you're not getting the full picture of what God's trying to explain there. Correct. We talk all the time about context being important. If you just grab one verse, it's easy to misinterpret. It's easy to not get the full meaning. So that's why we want to look at this section today. Yep. And uh, not to get too far off track too soon, but I actually heard somebody take this so far out of context as to say that this proves that we're all little gods. Oh, it yeah. gets It gets real yeah. weird. So that's why no matter what it is, whether we know it by heart, um, whether we know it by rote, whatever it comes to be, we always want to go back to context, and we want to go to historical context. We want to go to the context of where it sits in scriptures, um, to the cultural context, and so that's what we want to do today. So let's start, first and foremost, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. Isn't that a great verse to begin with? It's and fantastic. Just, just God deserves praise because Jesus uttered this this proclamation of God's love for every creature, every being. <clears throat> and just stopping there for us helps us to understand that uh, it puts a context around Jesus saying, love your enemies. Mm-hmm. If God loves them, we should love them as well. But that kind of leads to an interesting discussion of what do we mean by loving somebody? Yes. Because in uh, the original language, there are several words for love, and we probably want to discuss those if we want to get the meaning of what it means for God to love the world. Yeah. So we have uh, phileo, eros, and agape. Right. Uh, and there's a fourth one, storge, mm-hmm. which is for family, familial love, phileo for brotherly love. And, of course, eros is sensual love. We get the word erotic from it, but it's not just erotic. It's also sensual. It's holding hands right. and kissing and that sort of stuff. Um, but we're talking about the, what C.S. Lewis called the highest form of love, agape. Mm-hmm. So when you think of agape, how does that strike you? What what uh, characteristics do you put around that? Sacrificial, <clears throat> not uh-huh. self-serving. Um, it, it, to me, is when you think of love and, and you know the famous passage that's read at every wedding, that kind of love, that spiritual oh. gift love, the love that you have to work at, the active love, um, the love that we're called to have, the love that put Peter in the hot seat when Jesus came back from the grave and said, "Do you love my? Do you love my 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 flock?" You know, and it, and it keeps going and going and going until he says, "Do you sacrificially? Do you actually really love?" That's what comes to my mind when we talk about agape love. Yeah, uh, you you allude to a couple of really important passages around that. Um, <coughs> for instance, phileo uh, storge eros all are feeling centric. Mm-hmm. They're how I feel about you. They're the affection. When Paul says he has affection for the Philippians, he's using phileo. But when we talk about agape, it's not that feelings are absent; they are present. But you talk about uh, an act of the will being sacrificial, as well as 
an act of the will that says, I'm going to do the best for you, regardless of whether you like it or not, regardless of whether it's pleasant or not. So when Jesus or when God disciplines his children, because he loves them, he's saying, I'm going to discipline you because I love you, which is what we tell our children. I'm going to discipline you because I love you. And they don't believe us for a second. Mm -hmm. But that is an expression of agape love. So he says when he loved the world, he's going to do the best for the world, regardless uh, um, pertaining to whether one receives that love or doesn't receive that love, he's still going to do it. Yeah. And that's so interesting because you talk about um, it's for what's best for you. So oftentimes, people, when they can't get their uh, their mind around God, a good, just, righteous, loving God, mm-hmm. they stop at, well, why was sin allowed to enter into the place uh, here in the first place? And he goes in all this stuff. But that same love that has caused us to live our lives in such a way that we're constantly looking for God and we're constantly chasing after him, that's the same love that he used to send his son into mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. So it's two sides. The sacrificial love is almost um, a, an attribute of God that's hard for us to grasp. Because when yeah. we when we have feel the slightest uh, slight, uh, you know, like you were talking about between a parent and a kid, when my parents would do something for mm-hmm. me that eventually was for my good, but in the moment felt like it was just a punishment, yeah. I held that against them. And mm-hmm. it wasn't love. Right, they could yeah. see it as love, but we couldn't. I couldn't see it as love. So we hold things against God, mm-hmm. when in fact He is doing the most loving thing by letting us go our, our own way, by letting us make decisions, and that that love is is overarching. It applies to everyone, um, but it matters to whether or not you're going to receive that love. You only receive the love from your parents later on. Some people do it sooner than others. Some people never do. They never reconcile when they feel hurt or slighted by someone else. An important, when we're talking about God allowing us to go our own way, that love that he's done is that while we were enemies, while we were separated from him, he loved us so much that he did this. He sent his son into the world. Right, when no one wanted that. Now, I mean, the Gentiles, those who were non-Jewish, didn't comprehend it at all. Those who were Jewish... Their hearts were set on the the conquering hero, not the sacrificial lamb. And God said, no, what's best for you isn't to be freed from the Romans. It's not to be freed from oppression. It's not to get out from injustice. It's rather to find the, the sacrifice and the redemption through Jesus. And in him, you can bear up under all those things and live a victorious life in spite of injustices, in spite of oppression, in spite of being victimized. You can choose to be conquerors through the love of God, which we don't like because it's not instantaneous gratification. And I love that you brought up that idea of the Jews and how they received the Messiah because, let's talk about context, Yeah, who is Jesus talking to here? Right, so he is talking to one of the religious leaders. In John chapter 3, this Pharisee, a religious leader, thinking, think of him as a theologian of his day, comes and he's going to check out this this new teacher that's on the rise, this hot new young rabbi, and uh, and he's having questions with him, and it ends up being a great discussion uh, where Jesus is pointing out to him that your concept of what God is looking for has, has been skewed by your circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so the Jewish mindset was stuck, and the religious leaders were stuck. Jesus was seeking to free him, so he, he throws these new concepts or 
concepts that are actually in the Old Testament, but we're not being emphasized. Right. <coughs> she throws him to this guy, and, and Nicodemus is just left scratching his head saying, I don't think I understand. And I, I think later on he says, how can you, a teacher of, the, of Israel, not understand these things? Yeah. So the context is very, very Jewish, but it applies to us today. Yeah. Because we have a concept of what we think God should be like when God is saying, this is who I am, and what I am is better than what you think I should be. Yeah. How about the idea of loving the world? Yes. I absolutely love. I, I don't quote John 3.16 by itself anymore, um, mm-hmm. because 17 to me is the part that strikes me um, deep. And that's that God did not send his, world, his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Right. We live in a culture, especially right now, that is so self-protecting. Yeah. Um, you can't offend anyone because it, 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 it's, a, it's a slight against who they are as people. And, and people will stand up for just themselves or, or they'll, they'll stand up for, for causes that, you know, can stand up for themselves. And sure. it's this, this whole back and forth, but in the reality of it, you look at Jesus and people get so offended by Jesus and what he did and by the exclusivity that they feel right. because you have to do something in order to receive it. But the, the reality is Jesus was not here to condemn us. Mm-hmm. Jesus was here to save us. And that condemnation that a lot of people feel from it, I, I think, comes from a conviction that they're feeling from their lives not matching up to what they know is right. Yeah. Yeah, we remember Romans chapter 1 talks about we all have a conscience, and that uh, we know God at, at some level unless we choose to consciously or subconsciously reject Him mm-hmm. altogether. Uh, and you talk about exclusivity, and that's an interesting concept, because people will say, well, we've been excluded if we don't believe in Jesus. Yeah, but you're covered if you do, and it's not relegated to any one demographic or group or race or gender. If you believe Jesus as, as Lord and Savior, if he sacrificed for your sins, then you are, are saved. And so when it says he loved the world, in other words, I think it's implying uh, one side of the equation. I love you, I'm going to send my son as a sacrifice who is sufficient for every soul that, that has ever lived or ever will come into being. But as you pointed out in 317, that what people want to avoid is that there's a sense of condemnation. Some people will take 16 and say, see, the whole world's going to be saved because Jesus mm. paid for all those mm. sins. And uh, that is a universalist position, that God's love, God's love overcomes all of our doubts, all of our fears, all of our unbelief. And God is saying, no, I respect you too much to do that. The, the flip side is, I'm going to give you the gift, and anybody can have it, but you have to actually receive it. Why? Why is that respect? I love that. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. Why? Yeah. Why is that God respecting us? Because he wants relationship with us. Yeah. And to have relationship, you have to have free will. If you don't have free will, then you don't have relationship. If, I, if, if um, you were to not have free will, you'd be no different than my, my coffee cup. And I can move my coffee cup. Okay, granted, we all know I don't drink coffee. It's (laughs) Diet Coke. But uh, uh, the point is is that I can move it and do what I I will, but I have no relationship with it. It can't respond to me. Free will is necessary to have a response. Free will, then, has to allow for me to reject. Mm. So I hold out a gift to you, 
you don't get the gift until you receive it. God holds out the gift to the entire world. That's what it means to love the world. But the whole world doesn't stand saved from condemnation because they haven't received the gift on an individual basis. And Jesus knew that that was going to be an important point. So he continues on. Mm-hmm. John three eighteen. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So... We talked about inclusivity, but the exclusivity is that God has a gift for us, but it's only the one gift. Mm-hmm. There aren't multiple gifts that keep us from condemnation. He says, the only Son of God. And there are many people who don't want to buy that. They want to believe that there are many paths to God. If I'm a good enough person, if I'm not as bad as the guy next to me, if I believe in a different faith or a different God, Jesus is being very clear and even to Nicodemus, he's, he's owning these things. These, these are all first-person things. And so he, he's saying, are you getting it? I'm the gift, and if you don't believe in me, then you have chosen not to receive the gift of salvation. What? How do you think Nicodemus would have—I mean, he was, we know he was bewildered by yeah. the whole thing. And uh, can you imagine putting yourself in his shoes, what that would have been like? No. I mean, you, you think of the Pharisees, I, I think of Nicodemus, but also Simon and Simon's interaction with Jesus where, um, you know, he answers everything correctly, exactly the way that Jesus knew. He knows the law. He knows the relationship with God. And yet they're so blinded by tradition. They're so blinded by rabbinic teachings that they forget and they've gone away from mm-hmm. the truth and the heart behind mm-hmm. God. Because the Old Testament that the that the, the Jewish scholars, the Pharisees, were studying here. The salvation plan has been in place mm-hmm. that entire time. Yep. We often think of the Old Testament as like this crusty book of laws, and the New Testament as like where Jesus comes, and it's love, and everything's cool. <laughs> but in reality, studying through the Old Testament, you can see God's salvation plan. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all the way from Genesis, and you can trace it all the way through. I think Pastor Jason here did a sermon a number of weeks ago talking about the number of prophecies that showed that God's plan of salvation through Jesus started all the way back through Genesis and works. There's this thread that works through the whole Old Testament that culminates here in the Gospels in in Jesus Christ. And that's an important thing to remember because he didn't choose somebody else to be the Savior. I think some of the, the religious leaders hang up in the whole Jewish nation, frankly, most of mankind, is that we understand there's no free lunch. Mm-hmm. We understand that that we always talk about, hey, salvation's free. And no, it came at a cost. It came at a cost of the, the Son of God's life. <laughs> so it's free to us, but it wasn't free to God. On the other hand, it is free to us in the sense that we get stuck trying to earn salvation. Mm. And if we think about that, now, a couple of pictures came to mind about having a free gift. Let's, uh, some people invest in lottery tickets. Looking, looking for some some money, and uh, I have nothing to say about lot of the lottery in and of itself at this moment. But what I am pointing out is that if you buy the winning ticket, you're not automatically a rich person. You are in the sense that you have that gift, but until you go and redeem it, mm-hmm. you haven't received the gift that the the reward that comes with it. Right. 
So we all have the gift of salvation. The question is, are we going to turn in the ticket, receive Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and, and be redeemed ourselves? So that picture comes to mind, but it often, no picture ever works perfectly because that assumes I went and did something right. uh, rather than just receiving. And we, when we looked at this idea of believing, you and I just had a, a few moments to look at some <laughs> of the original language. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about that for a second? Yeah. So uh, it talks about when you make the choice to believe, you are no longer condemned. Mm-hmm. But when you actively make the choice not to believe, it's a, uh, a perfect past thing of condemnation uh-huh. you have when you make that choice you are in a state of of being condemned right and the second you make the choice not to uh, or to believe uh-huh. you are no longer condemned it is like so cool and, uh, and instantaneous looking in the greek right it also tells us a couple of things one is that we already stand condemned mm-hmm. before jesus there's there's no one i think paul says in romans no one who is righteous not one and he's quoting Psalms, I believe. And uh, the concept that uh, we already are condemned, life comes through the reception of the gift. Mm-hmm. And it's a choice that we make in conjunction with God working in us. So it, that, that gives us a sense of depth that's, that's really helpful in saying, I don't have to, I'll be fine if I don't receive the gift. No, 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 you won't. Yep. And. And I love the way that scripture is written to us because I think Jesus understands this thought process mm-hmm. because the very next thing he talks about is why wouldn't you receive the gift? Yeah. Right. He goes on in verse 19 to say, and this is the judgment, the light, Jesus has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Yeah. Their habit. Yeah. This is who I am. This is, if you don't love me for who I am, I do love you for who I am, but I want you to be better than who you are. Yeah. So when when you look at that and you see uh, you see this this interchange and John is really good about using light and darkness a lot mm-hmm. he uses it more than any other gospel writer so when you hear that contrast what comes to mind for you well a number of things it's such a an awesome concept I was actually just talking uh, to my kid brother uh, and he was talking about a quote from um, Neil deGrasse Tyson he said as as the fire of wisdom grows, you touch more of the darkness, talking about the unknown. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of macabre at first. Yeah. But then I started realizing it's true, because we always talk about how darkness is not the um, the snuffing out of light, it's the absence of light. Right. And so when Jesus is talking about this, he's talking about how we can be, he is the remedy, and we mm-hmm. can also be a yeah. remedy uh, mm-hmm. by showing his light. And the more we learn about Jesus, the more we learn about the Word of God, the, the brighter that light becomes, the more darkness we touch. Right. Which can be overwhelming. Yeah. Very overwhelming. And um, not only externally, but internally, because what that light exposes in us. So when we turn on light in a room, the things, I don't know if you've ever done this, I know this is kind of gross, but it's a great picture for me, is when my wife and I first got married, we lived in this little one-bedroom house, and then we turn on the light, and you see all the cockroaches scurrying for the corners. Yes, I lived in you an did. apartment in LA. I know what a cockroach is. <laughs> and you didn't you didn't see them until you turn on the light. But when the light exposes that, uh, those things scurry for the darkness. And I realized in my own life, as God shines more and more light into my life, it exposes more and more of my dark corners, mm-hmm. which is uh, leaves me conflicted. It leaves me ambivalent because. There's a part of me that says, 
good, there's another area that God is dealing with and making me more like Jesus, but it also leaves me saddened because I still have dark areas. Mm-hmm. It, it leaves me upset because my dark areas are exposed and it, makes me, it leaves me feeling guilty. None of those are bad things. Uh, they should uh, then propel me to seek the light yep. and to expose those areas and to get the cockroaches out of my life. And looking forward, because uh, we always want to talk about having an eternally minded, uh, or eternally focused mindset, mm-hmm. what is done in the dark will be brought to the light. Yeah, the judgment. <laughs> it's going to happen. Right. Uh, and so I think that's an important thing for all of us to, to keep in mind. And it, nobody likes talking about the fire and brimstone of it, but it's, it's mm-hmm. important because what we're talking about here is God's gift to us to not be eternally separated from him mm-hmm. for all of eternity. Yeah. And so we have to talk about eternity. And so when we talk about Jesus being the light and how we love the darkness in our, as children of wrath pre-Jesus, pre-accepting that gift, as people who are, are um, prone to just accepting what Satan is trying to do in this world. Yep, sometimes unconsciously. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's uh, something that's going to be uh, helpful for all of us. God loved the world. He sent his son not only to redeem us from sin, but to expose the darkness in our lives, mm-hmm. to help us to grow into the image of the Son of God, which is what we were created for, yeah. and it's so much more fulfilling than anything that we could experience otherwise. And I think there's a freeing that happens um, in all aspects of our life. The sooner we address the issues that are going on, the sooner pain comes, but also that's that's the sooner that the resolution comes. And so when Jesus goes on in verse 20 and says, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really, he's getting to the reason why we as humans are saying, well, do I really want to put myself in a position of being held to a higher standard morally mm-hmm. um, because everything that I'm doing wrong is going to be exposed? I would say yes, and I would plead with people. I mean, I'm wearing a Crowd the Kingdom shirt. The way that we crowd that kingdom is by having people address their issues here on earth uh, with a God who um, died for us as our great high priest so that we can approach the throne of grace um, to find help in our time of need Mm -hmm. here now so that we can understand who Jesus is, so we can give our life to him, so that we can be a part of the light and not of the darkness, so that we can spend eternity with him. Yeah. It's so important. Just popped into my head, going back to the lottery ticket analogy. If you don't redeem it, they expire. Mm. Mm. We have a lottery ticket in Jesus Christ. When we receive it, that gift, we are redeemed, we are saved, but it expires upon our death. If you don't receive it before you die, there's no going back and receiving it again. Mm. So he's trying to communicate God's love. God's desperate for us to receive it. He wants us to know it and to experience it and to have the light in our lives. And then Jesus kind of ends this this section here with uh, verse 21, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Yeah, those last two words, in God. That that, uh, tells us that those who have received are in God, and what a great place to be. Yeah. So I think this is a great time, Eric, if, if I'm going to put you on the spot a little okay. bit. I'd love to give our listeners an opportunity to accept Jesus. That would we be talk fantastic. talk about him here. <clears throat> um, and oftentimes it can be a confusing process for people who don't know. And maybe uh-huh. you're, you've been listening to the podcast and you're trying to figure out 
um, you know, if you should believe in God or, you know, if all of this stuff makes sense, what, what do we need to do? It's really much simpler than most people think. Believe who Jesus is, believe his words, that God sent him, the Son of God, God himself, into the world, that he died on the cross for our sins. You believe those things, you receive the gift, I receive your gift of salvation, and as a believer, you are, you've crossed from death to light, mm-hmm. from darkness to light, right then and there. Lord, I believe in who you are, I believe you sent your Son, I believe that you forgave my sins, and I receive that now, in Jesus' name, amen. It can be as simple as that. It doesn't have to be those exact words, but those exact thoughts. Yeah. And not to let it stop there. Right. If you've made that decision today, first of all, welcome to the family. Yes. Praise the Lord. No kidding. But don't don't let it stop there. You want to get into community. You want to get connected with your local body um, so that you can better understand and better connect with God, the God who loved you so much that he sent Jesus into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Uh, you can reach out to us. We'd be happy to to connect with you and resource you and help you get connected where you are. Um, but that's just... That would be great. Yeah. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, it's a celebration time for us. All right. For Thank sure. you very much. Yeah. Well, we hope that this <clears throat> has been edifying to you. We hope that God uh, used this to speak into your life. Uh, and until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.